It's great to have you back for Season 2, Episode 8 of the Shoulda Backed It podcast. It was Day 1 of the Championships at Randwick, with four massive Group 1s on the card. Nature Strip stamped himself as Australia's premier sprinter in the TJ, with a fairy tale performance from the unfancied Natoya, knocking plenty of punters out of the quaddy in the Doncaster. Overshadowed somewhat by the championships, racing also continued at Caulfield and Morfittville. Joining me once again via Skype to talk through all the action is racing expert Chris Finuccio. Now, Big V, I understand you spent most of the day making lasagna with Lady V. Did you catch a few of the races? Hello, Phil, and yes, that is right. It was supposed to be our wedding day, which obviously in the current climate we couldn't have, so we decided just to spend the day at home, watch a few movies, make some lasagna, and and just uh, try and take our minds off it. So Yeah, well, I'm glad you I looked after Lady V. Yeah, I managed to watch the, a few replays later at night to catch up, and yeah, it was a I was on the back foot early. I still, I still had to have a few bets, so I still had one eye on the results. So I was on the back foot early, tried to get it back, and I had to follow you in on Ruby Saki in the last, so to get myself out. And decent price in the end, so turned out to be an even kind of day. Yeah, well, we did actually catch up later in the day. I know our, our punters club held a virtual catch-up so we could watch the races together, and you did pop up sort of towards the end of the day, and we both cheered Yeah, we both cheered home Ruby Saki in the last, which I, I think a few punters did. But, yeah, as you say, we did get a good price in the end. I think opened around $1.90, $1.95, ended up with more like two seventy. So, yeah, a pretty good day was had, and, yeah, myself... Uh, one of my better days on the punt in a while, um, albeit, yeah, in front of the TV rather than where I'd like to be. Yeah, yeah, you cleaned up. And when we find out I should have backed the horses, I mean, this podcast is going to live up to its name because I had a, a long list of horses I could put in that category, but because you just awash with money, you <laughs> had nothing on your list, you were struggling. I did find it hard to find a should have backed it, and the reason for that is not because I backed every winner, it's just that... Particularly at Randwick, I found that a lot of the winners were quite rough outsiders. And look, I didn't look back and think, gee, I should have been on that because there's just no thought was given to a lot of them even being anywhere near the, the front of the race. I mean, I was on Nature Strip, Ruby Saki as discussed, but most of the others, um, discussing Natoya and other horses that have done well, have really come about at odds. I mean, you mentioned Quick Thinker last week on the podcast as a good each way bet in the. In the derby, so um, yeah, that, that's obviously saluted. Hopefully, you on that. But yeah, it was a it was a very interesting day, particularly at Randwick. I found a little bit more value at Caulfield in terms of actually being able to pick a few winners as well. So we'll talk through all that throughout the podcast. But we might start. Given you've just mentioned you've got a, a long list of should have backed it. What was your what was your most uh, painful one in the end? Well, you mentioned Quick Thinker. That was on the short list, but. I didn't go with that one because I stayed out of the derby. I thought it was too difficult. We'll talk about that later on. But I've settled on Nature Strip because uh, I was prepared to take it on at 1,200 in a race where there was a lot more pressure and the wet track. I know it's got very strong wet track form, but I just thought at 1,200 with the pressure it was probably going to get from Vega Days and a couple of other front runners that... Maybe it might tell at the end and you might get a horse like Parada, Santa and Elaine or Bivouac run it down. So um, in the end, it was just too fast for 
all of them from start to finish and really burned them off. And even when you watch the race, it probably was going a little bit hard early, but he was just able to sustain it. And it just had, you know, just the opposition just off their legs and and never looked like losing. And and you're getting not a tough horse to catch nature shoot, but whenever it's odds on, it gets rolled. But when you're getting a juicy price, it just seems to produce its best and... <laughs> and that's what it did. And I think another reason why I didn't jump on it is whenever it's produced a big performance, it, it doesn't back it up next start. It probably has a flat run and then bounces back. And it's been able to string two massive performances together now. And I think one of the biggest disappointments I'm going to have as a racing follower is not being able to see Nature's Trip run at Ascot. Yeah, well, it was a, a commanding performance. And as I said in the intro there, I'd have it as our best sprinter now. And obviously moving on to Ascot, I think in recent times you can learn to trust it a little bit more. Its first up effort obviously was a, a big shank, but three of its last four wins have been quite dominant against, you know, probably some of the best sprinters in the world. So I knew it was a, a pretty good run when about the 300 metre mark, I started looking at who was going to run second because I had a few each way bets and a trifecta in play and I wanted to make sure that all lined up nicely, which it did in the end. But I didn't even, didn't, I stopped watching the winner because I just, I'd gave, given up on anything getting past it. So yeah. that's quite an unbelievable thing, I guess, given it was such a, a strong race, really. You know, these are the best horses going yeah. around and it just towed them. Yeah, I was prepared to give Bivouac a a second chance because I didn't think it handles the valley but it, I think it got a bit of a a squeeze earlier on and was further back than ideal um, Santa and Elaine really burst out in the last 100 to get second now, that's a big run because it doesn't handle the conditions as well as he runs on a good track and I thought Parada's run was pretty big I think coming out of the race it, I wonder if Santa and Parada both go to the all aged and yeah, I think they're two of the horses I want to follow out of that race. And even I think Tafani's just been, you know, running really well out of its grade. And, you know, maybe if that goes to a race like the Goodwood, that might be one to keep an eye on for that. Well, race. you've um, you've stolen my thunder on Tafani. I thought that was one of the better, more eye-catching runs of the day, particularly in that race. And I was thinking, can we find a race for it that's perhaps not quite at that top echelon? It would, it would pick it up quite comfortably, I think. It was a really impressive finish coming down the outside. Um, in a part of the track, I don't think we saw too many winners come down from. So, yeah, an impressive effort from Tefane. And really, if you take Nature Strip out of it, you would have had an absolute cracking finish because four of them went over the line together, including one we didn't mention, but obviously a, a well-tried performer was the old Red Zell, who uh, picked up another third in a Group 1, which you, you certainly can't knock. Yeah, and I thought the the three-year-olds were disappointing. I mentioned Bivouac. I mean, Loving Gabby didn't have... a. Um maybe didn't handle the conditions. Exceedance hasn't been the same horse this prep and there's a lot of talk about this being a golden generation of three-year-olds and I reckon that might be a bit questionable now. I mean, I think they're a a very good group of three-year-olds but it was the veteran horses that really shone. But moving on, I mean, you we mentioned earlier you've backed about 10 winners on (laughs) Saturday and, you know, was there one horse there that, 
should have made it 11 for you. Well, mate, you know me. It's quality over quantity when the winners. You're just going to pick the good ones and have a good... Um, pick the ones at value and then put a bit on them. But, the, yeah, the one that I looked back on, there was a couple actually in Mortetville that I was a little bit disappointed to miss. But the, the one that I'll, I'll raise now is in race four at Randwick, Colette. Look, ultimately it had the form and the class edge on that field. J-Mac on board. And you ended up getting a pretty good price, $283. I actually followed you in on Parody, and for watchers of our Twitter handle, you would have seen Parody was one of your better bets of the day, and, and it might have been featuring the shooter backed it file for you. Mm. But it ended, uh, Colette ended up winning pretty convincingly, and I think it's probably looking for bigger and better things now, because it uh, seemed to do pretty well yesterday, at least. Yeah, it's the favourite for the, for the Oaks, and you mentioned Parody, and I've made that my sacked horse, but Going into that race, I know you've, you've said that Colette probably had the class over that field, but I think after the race he does, but or she does. But going into it, I wasn't that convinced because I, I know it's been winning quite convincingly, but I don't think the figures out of his races has been you know that strong. And you know his um, run at Kembla Grange, where he's won by two lengths, but his last two hundred wasn't overly quick and the second horse was really slowing down so I, I didn't think the his figures were strong going into the um the adrian knox on saturday but i think some horses just are able to just step up whenever they need to and this could be one of those horses and it's going to be interesting if he comes up against probabil whether um you know might have to take that step up again so we'll find out but as for parity you know, wide gate, trapped wide throughout. I was, I was a bit surprised they didn't go more forward like he did at the valley. I think the valley he was wide as well, but was on the speed and and I think in the run he was next to Colette, but just didn't have the the dash in his leg in, in her legs. So disappointing performance. I I thought she was a, a top three certainty. Yeah, look, I think it probably had excuses. It was sitting three wide from memory and. You know, didn't quite have the, the kick at the end there, but I would have liked to see it finish off a little bit better than it did. I think it was probably not entitled to win the race, but definitely entitled to, you know, finishing in the first four or five at least, I would have thought. Uh, and I doubt, I don't think it did that from memory. So, yeah, that's a disappointing performance. I actually thought your should have sacked it for the weekend was going to be Castel Vecchio because you were sending me texts through in the week telling me how, how good a chance that was. I, I don't recall. <laughs> ever doing ever saying that it was a tough I was tossing up whether it was maybe it was a horse that everyone had lost, latched to early when the markets came out on the Tuesday and I think it was about 350 into 280 and so I think there might have been a, an overreaction to Castelvecchio because uh, it had to step up to 24 I don't think that Rose Hill Guineas race Provided a lot of answers and a lot of questions coming out of that. So, yeah, I did think that Castlevecchio was a bit tight in the market. Yeah, I think started way too short for me. I, I stood away, but it actually, that's not a bad little segue into my shooter sacked it, which was also in the, in the derby, and that was a warning. So, look, I thought it was just going to peak for this run. I, I, think, I thought everything kind of lined up for it, you know, the distance, the track conditions. But ultimately, it, it had come off the back of a couple of pretty ordinary performances. So perhaps 440 was way unders in hindsight. I mean, I think a lot of people were, were backing it 
on trust, uh, you know, after its uh, derby win Winning last derby. year. But, gee, I was pretty disappointed again yesterday. I, I had a two-bet strategy in the race, it and Shadow Hero. And, look, I thought Shadow Hero was pretty pretty sound and hit the line relatively well, but warning uh, was a disappointment yeah. for me. Yeah, hit the line well, beaten seven and a half lengths. Shadow Hero. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, the two, the first two towed them, mate. So it, it hit the line better than everyone, everything behind it, at least. It was, it was a funny race because you had seven horses vying for the lead in the first furlong, and Warning was one of them. And I, I was a bit disappointed with the ride on Warning. I thought that Tommy Berry could have just eased out of that speed battle and he could have found a spot next to Zabrowski, which meant he would have been the one tracking Castelvecchio in the run. But... Because you had seven horses going for the lead, you know, they've had to concede and he's found himself instead three wide next to Castelvecchio. So I just thought in that early dash he could have been the one that eased out of it earlier and found the spot, you know, one off the fence. So, yeah, I think a few of those jockeys might have their time again. Yeah, it's, in interesting, it's interesting you say that, though, Big V. I thought it was one of the more exciting races that I've seen in a while in terms of the jockeys actually making plays and making sure their their mounts were in the best position they could be. So, yeah, I agree. Warning had probably lost the race in the first 600 metres of it, to be honest. But yeah. uh, there were a number of mid-race moves, and you could, certainly couldn't blame anyone for creating a boring race, a, a sit-and-sprint, because there was a lot of action throughout. So... You know, as far as uh, a derby went, I thought it was one of the better yeah. run races. And we obviously also had the cracking finish with Zabrowski yeah. and Quick Thinker going toe-to-toe down the straight. Now, I think that's a fair point. I mean, I don't want to sound hypocritical because I want to, I want to see, you know, races with a bit of pace and speed on. But I thought when you have seven horses going for it, I thought warning could have been the one where, you know, Barry could have made that decision bit sooner to say, all right, there's six other horses going for it, I should ease out here. Because he was the widest horse of the of the seven that he could have maybe realised earlier, I'm not going to get this lead. There's too many horses going for it. I'll just pull back a bit. And it was an opportunity to do it. So I, I had a look at the replay a couple of times. But that's the way it was, an exciting race. And, and it turned out to be an exciting finish as well. And probably didn't have, a, uh, as you say, Shadow Hero finishing seven and a half lengths, fourth. I don't think it had any bearing on the race in the end. Just moving on to some of the other races at Randwick, I wanted to get your, your feel on the Doncaster. We saw Natoya stride past the field quite comfortably in the end and, and taking that out. Um, I'm assuming you weren't on it. No, of course not. And, you, <laughs> and uh, in terms of getting knocked out of the quaddy, well, our punters club was knocked out of the quaddy in this race. We've got the other three legs. Um, just with the um, before I got to Natoya, just with the Randwick track, I I found that you could make ground, uh, you could come from back of the field if you were on the inside, but not hard on the rail. Whereas if you were coming, you know, when you're the widest runner coming to the straight, it was a lot harder to make ground. But um, in saying that, I think Natoya might have been one of the only horses that was able to come out as the widest runner yep. and win. So I think that made her win, you know, just immense and no excuses for the rest of the field. I mean, Star of the Seas came from back to the field but made an inside run. I thought Melody oh, Bell had excuses again. I know it, it, Yeah, she was wide. Yeah, another sound race and obviously top weight as well, so had a few things it against was tough her. For her. That was a 
yeah, very that was a big performance by Melody Bowell. And interesting to see if there's a race for her that coming up because that was only her third run this prep. Uh, Brandenburg was good. I mentioned Star of the Seas. He was third up, backing up after a so-so performance last week. So he might be ready to win. I don't think there's any excuses for any of the other horses. I mean, I, I like Mr. C, uh, not Mr. C, well, sorry, I'm um, Shared Ambition because I was intrigued why they weren't stepping up in distance with him because I thought we'll see his best at 2024 and, and they've come back in distance with Shared Ambition. So I thought, you know, that might be the, the horse because Chris Waller has success using that, um, um, that method. So he was disappointing. Chris Waller would have been disappointing, wouldn't he? He had eight horses in it. Couldn't crack the crack a winner. No, couldn't get one. No, and um, I mean, Super Seth and Colding, yeah, they were okay. Cascadian was held up for a little bit, uh, but there was that was a big turnaround between Cascadian and Star of the Seas. There's not much you can say. I think the Toya was a a deserved winner. And I was just on Twitter this morning, and I saw the. Uh, the trainer there, Wendy Roach, uh, giving Natoya a margarita pizza as a uh, celebratory uh, feed after the win. So that was good to see as well. And to be honest, I was it was just good to see from my perspective a couple of new faces winning a Group 1. You know, you're very used to seeing Chris Waller and J-Mac and others winning these big, big races in Sydney. And it was quite refreshing to have a bit of a uh, battler story, both with the jockey and the trainer. So, look, I... I as you say, it knocked us out of the uh, quaddy, but I was quite happy to for that to happen to see um, you know Wendy and the team taking a big win. Yeah, great story, and yeah, this Natoya has become a bit of my nemesis um, <laughs> because I think it's about there's been about two or three races now where Natoya's won when I've been knocked out of the race. So, but a great performance, and yeah, I couldn't. Usually these type of races, you can run them 10 times, you get 10 different winners. I'm not so sure here. I think the Toya had to do it tough, the widest runner, and still managed to win. So I just think if you run it, if you run this race 10 times, I think the Toya comes out on top. Well, it was interesting. I was mentioning this to the boys yesterday, but I heard a story about the Toya two starts ago when it ran and won the Aspiration Group 3 at uh, Randwick. Hugh Bowman was put on that day, and apparently when he got put on the horse, he called up his manager and said, why have you got me on this this donkey? I don't want to be race riding on this. And the, uh, his manager said, don't worry, you know, we, we hear it's in good form, it's going well. So uh, Hugh jumped on, won that race, and now two starts later is the uh, Group 1 winner of the Doncaster. So uh, Hugh <laughs> might be uh, eating his words on that one. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that race. So I think I was on Emeralds that day when it jumped 12 to 16 and made, I think I, that was a, a sack that horse back in, <laughs> for that week's podcast. So, yeah, it's, it usually it's shows its best form. I think the, well, the, the aspiration, that was the one at the second year in a row. So I thought that was its grand final. And, no, it's just just improved and just improved out of sight. Mm-hmm. I might move to Caulfield for the next point, and I wanted to discuss briefly Diamond Effort, who was my best bet of the day there at Caulfield, so unsurprisingly I want to talk about it. Uh, It was a great run, fourth on the trot, coming back from $1,200 to $1,000, so you got a price, $3.60. Yeah, that's why you get that. Yeah, yeah, I was disappointed to see, though, that it bled, and uh, it won't be running again for another three months, unfortunately. Yeah, well, just once he... 
finally got some clear running and it just blew them away. And for it to, to bleed and, and still win quite you know, in commanding fashion just shows how, how well the horse is going. I mean, I had this as a top pick. I mean, I stayed out of Caulfield because I don't, I don't like having a bet while it's raining as well. Like, I had it as my top pick because there was no other horse I could confidently put on top, but the 1,200 back to 1,000, which had me um, just a bit unsure what to do. But I think when you do get a heavy track, that does negate that disadvantage a little bit because you need to be fit. And it does. It, that wouldn't have felt like a thousand meter race for that horse, or for the the field. You need to be fit to win that type of races, and and yeah. And I think, as I mentioned, I think that's why you got a really good price for him. Yeah, I thought Caulfield. There was a lot of value to be had there yesterday. A lot of even races. You had a lot of five dollar the field sort of betting going on, and. Yeah, that along with a couple others, I actually managed to pick up a few winners there at Caulfield, which is unusual, as you say, when the track's wet, when the wind's howling, it's often very difficult to uh, to back a winner at Caulfield. But we would discuss last week, actually, it just reminded me, the race at Bendigo, where the two horses, Independent Road and Piedra, both were ridden by the wrong jockey. And I we did mention last week that we were going to sort of follow up on that and to see what the outcome was, because I think this would have been a huge story in any other times. I understand there's obviously much more important things going on in the world than whether a horse is ridden by a jockey or not. But the found out that the stable, Hayes Hayes Dabinick stable, were fined $3,000. But do you think that's enough? And surely there has to be more to come out of something like this. Well, I think the surprising aspect was there wasn't much mention of it in the stewards' report. I think there was a, a line in it. Um, I mean, you're looking at the circumstances we're in. All the stables are working on, you know, with reduced staff. So maybe it was inevitable that something like this was happened. But look, there's a, I think, a sizable fine. Don't do it again, and then you know. I think move on. I think that's fair enough. I mean, luckily both those horses were disappointing and didn't have no effect on any betting payouts. But I think the also reason why it, we didn't hear too much about it or nearly not got covered, but um, is that we don't have any of the media at the at the races at the moment because of the the coronavirus. And we, if you have the journo's from the Herald Sun and the Age at the track, you know they would have followed up on on a story like this and gave it a bit more prominence. So I think that's probably another reason why the story came out a bit later than when we expected, because I think it was late at night on the Saturday. Yeah, and I, 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 I think you're probably right that I'm being a little bit harsh. I think, as you say, I think they would have recognised we're in tough times and a lot of people under pressure and not many people at the racetrack at the moment so probably a bit lenient in that yeah. regard um what did save them as you say is the fact the horses didn't perform on the day if you had the winner yeah. and the second placed horse then you've got some significant concerns but yeah. given neither of them did well you can probably uh understand why they went with the uh, sanction that they did yeah well, there had to be a sanction and and i think there's got to be I look into how it how it happened. Obviously, we've got reduced staff, and there's different processes because of the situation we're in. But something like this, it can't be covered up in a stewards report or or just have one paragraph. I mean, this is a serious integrity issue, and it's got to be treated as such. 
Yeah. Before we move on to the day two of the championships, I just wanted to get your thoughts on Mama Reagan. I know you mentioned it last week. Did pretty well, ran third, but uh, probably underperformed what your expectations were, I'd gather. No, I don't think it underperformed. It was a, it was a good performance. I mean, it was slow out of the barrier. I mean, from the you know, the price it paid, I mean, I've, I got the overs on the horse. And, you know, for a $2.70 favourite, yeah, disappointing on paper, but it was a little bit slow out of the barriers. There's a, a couple of horses going for the lead. I have no issues with Nash's ride. He's decided not to kick up on the horse, and he's he was one of those horses that were, did pull out as one of the widest runners into the straight. And I thought his effort was was massive. You know, disappointing not to win, but I just thought it was a, a big run. And maybe if I was to nitpick a little bit, maybe Nash should have stuck on the rail and and gone for an inside run because that's where King's legacy happened to be. And and that that horse won the race, so maybe um, Nash could have just stayed on the inside rather than going the outside. But in terms of effort, it was um, I thought it was a big run, and and maybe if the horse had showed a little bit better gate speed, might have been closer in the run, and that makes the difference. Yeah, that's right. And there's yeah. I guess there's always excuses, and they're still young horses as well, so yeah. a lot of volatility in terms of the results. And you'd argue um, third in the slipper has uh, probably exceeded the expectations of the stable going yeah. into this prep. So yeah, I won't, I won't be jumping off the horse. I no. think there was some excuses, and you know, it, I just I wonder if there if it goes for a spell now because it was a late entry into the sire, so I don't think it's got a nomination for the champagne. Now, if it goes for a spell in the spring, we might see a nice horse. Now, mate, let's have a look at day two of the championships. I'm going to start with the Queen Elizabeth Stakes uh, field. Gee, I'm looking at the market now, and there's some pretty good horses at pretty good prices. What are you What are you look, thinking at this stage? Yeah, it's going to be a great race. I mean, at the moment, I'm looking at the, the two international horses, Adib and Dan Premium. Yep. Um, so you can get $4 uh, both of those at the moment. I, I feel like that's unders, given you can get pretty good value around horses like Very Elegant and even Barrel yeah. Declare. Well, you might get better price when, when you get the final fields because I, I find with these all-in markets, the percentages are just uh, um, you know poor value for the punter. But um, you know, even Master of Wine, you mean, that's a, that's a really talented horse. I'm going to take on the shark i thought he was entitled to do better last start very elegant i just wonder whether maybe her last start win might have been her grand final for this prep but so about the moment i'm gonna go with go with either a deep or Devon premium I, i'll try and see if i can watch a few replays on the japanese horse because i think that's the unknown and you know just toss it up during the week and and do my research. Yeah, it's a bit hard at this stage. Looking at that field, there's still a lot of things to play out. It's a very high-quality field. So what we might do is put our best bets for that race up on the uh, Twitter handle on the Saturday morning to give punters, hopefully, a guide of where we've landed on that because at the moment, too many variables at play to make a, uh, a sensible sort of, I guess, analysis at this point. The next race we'll look at is the Sydney Cup. So Young Rascal is currently favourite at $2.50. You've got Mustajir at $5, Raheen House 7 Cariff, who ran yesterday, uh, finished second at $8, and then Avilius further out in the market at about 17 So a bit tighter, that one, a bit more certainty around the market. 
Yes, and um, I was disappointed Supernova was um, taken out of the market last week because I thought that was a, a big run last start, and, and he was about eight dollars, and I thought he was great value. So I think with him out, um, probably leaning towards Young Rascal now. I know he's the short favourite. Mustagia, I don't know whether this might have been an afterthought now, but that's a that would be a serious danger. So I think it, between those two, but maybe Young Rascal might be a better horse over 32. Yeah, no, I think that's about right, mate. Still another one that's a bit early to tell on that one. The... Yeah, I think, I think the field... It's fallen away a little bit in the last week or two with a few horses being taken out. So It didn't look uh, as strong as I was expecting, to be honest, just no, going through it then. Yeah. Whereas last week, Young Rascal at 240, 260, I thought was pretty tight. Might be around the mark now because it has fallen away a little bit. Uh, and the Coolmore, we've got Funstar, favourite at $2.80, Elise 7 the Toya. Into $8, that'll be about as uh, short as it's been in a while in a race. Uh, positive piece, one of your favourites there at 10, and Savatiano at 11. So another quite open race uh, outside of the favourite there. Yes, and um, I mean, Funstar at her best should probably win this race, but uh, she was a little bit disappointing last start. But, you know, maybe I'll give her another chance. Uh, but I think $3 is a little bit tight in the market for me. You know, positive piece, I mean, she just keeps stepping up. You know, she might be able to step up again. Don't know if Latoya will back up, um, unless you've heard something. Ah, doubtful, I'd say. Yeah, I think you'll, you've got to have Funstar on top and Positive Peace as the blowout. Yeah, I'll be sticking with Positive Peace. I'm not quite sure it can beat Funstar, though, but I think if you're getting $10 on the day, that's a, a nice little each-way spec if Funstar doesn't perform up to the uh, standard that you'd expect so yeah i'll certainly be a good couple betting races there in sydney next week as it was this week and again expecting i'd imagine quite a sizable quaddy uh, especially if a couple of those less fancied runners get up so yeah looking forward to another big day hopefully we get to next saturday with racing i know for example yeah. tasmanian racing is suspended for a month during the week so let's just hope that yeah. uh we, we can um we get there yeah i think that was a hasty decision by Tasmania does no favours to the participants who are employed and in the industry and I thought that was a very disappointing. I just think that was a decision made more for perception than the reality and you know we've heard Chris Waller and Glenn Boss say it they, they feel a lot safer at a racetrack than the supermarket so yeah I just think the participants were let down by the Tasmanian government during the week. Now, is it because they've gone to a heightened level of uh, restrictions there in Tassie? Is that why the decision was made? Because if Victoria, which is currently in Stage 3 restrictions, moved to Stage 4, is it your understanding that would mean automatically that racing would would stop in, in, in the state? I'm not 100%, but that, that could be a possibility. But I think you've got to, you've got to look at the situation where racing has done a phenomenal job in in still being able to run. No one's tested positive to coronavirus. They've got really stringent measures in place. You know, they've followed every advice that they've been given from the government and health authorities. So, you know, they're doing, you know, everything really well. I mean, if it is safer to go to a racetrack in the supermarket, then why not keep doing it? It's just, it's a non-contact sport. 
you know, the jockeys and trainers are keeping their distance. Uh, just, I don't know why stricter measures should be should stop racing because they've proven and they've shown that you know they can they can run their sport you know safely. Now, mate, I feel like you've already done this, but I was going to knock the big V high horse rant off the agenda today, but you said no. I've got something. Something's burning. I need, I need to discuss it. And you said you quoted quoted me. You said it's a mini Big V rant. So, mate, I'll give you thirty seconds to run us through your Big V rant. I'll just note that we did get a bit of feedback about your rant last week. There were a few people that were surprised that a twenty cent drift on a horse was enough to annoy you, uh, and they were wondering how much money you you do put down on a weekend because uh, obviously putting down a lot of money if twenty cents is stressing you out big v so i I won't leave that as a rhetorical question not make you answer it but we'll then move on to your mini big v rant this week yes this week being at home for the last couple of weeks you know racing is the only sport we can watch on tv unless you're into the the belarusian premier league (laughs) but i don't think you can watch that on foxtel i don't think they've got the rights for it so so we've we've had to make do with racing and and i'm just can't understand why Sky. We still can't watch Sky Racing Two at the moment. It's still a locked channel, and you know while we've been in isolation, Foxtel have given me pretty much every channel I could watch on TV, movies, entertainment. So I can watch pretty much any channel I want, but I still can't watch Sky Racing Two. So I don't know why Sky or whoever's decision it is can't just unlock Sky Two because. Racing is pretty much the only sport we can watch. So while we're at home at night, nothing to watch on TV. <laughs> you know, if you're not into your harness or your greyhounds, you know, we should be able to watch a few gallops on Sky Racing too. Sounds like you've got a luxury there, mate. I can't even watch Sky Racing 1, so <laughs> I'm jealous of that. You're worried about watching the second channel. What, what, what do they put on that anyway? I'm stuck with Racing.com, which is a great channel, by the way, but uh, certainly... Uh, yeah, that's, that sounds like a first-world problem there, that one, mate. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, I've been watching a little bit of Singapore and Hong Kong, but I think on Sky 2 you can watch racing from France and South Africa and if they're still running them. But <laughs> I just – I don't even in the best of times, I still don't know why Sky Racing 2 is a locked channel. I mean, I mean, if you want to try and increase turnover and people watching it, I thought the best idea is to – Unlock the channel. Well, you can watch it anyway, can't you? You've got uh, the corporate bookmaker that allows you to watch both of the Sky channels, I would have thought. So just have to put it on the phone if you want to watch the Turfontaine races or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I can do that, but I prefer watching it on the, the big screen and stick to the remote channels. All right, mate. Well, um, uh, look, I think you, you've probably got bigger problems in the world than whether Big V can watch Sky 2, but thanks for the mini rant, and we'll... Uh, well, hopefully the executives at Fox are listening and they can uh, get onto that quickly for you, mate. Now, this week, you mentioned quaddies uh, earlier on that the our punters club happened to miss the quaddie. We did. We got the Quinella in three of the four legs and second, third and fourth in the other leg, which is, I'm pretty sure, a very familiar story to most of the punters that listen to the podcast. But we actually got to listen to a question that came in during the week, Big V. Now, I haven't run this past year, so I'm interested... Or your gut feel and your gut reaction to this in terms of what uh, what the bloke is asking here. So I'll just read you out the question and then you can uh, respond if that's okay. It is in relation to, to quaddies. 
So it's, uh, hey boys, me and a group of mates pulled together a quaddy last week at Rose Hill. So this is not obviously yesterday, but the week before. We got the first three legs up, but missed out when Cascadian won the, oh, sorry, who, who won the last as the second favourite. Now we remember that happening. Uh, is it a crime that my uh, mate left out the second favourite in a quaddy? How do you guys approach quaddies is the question. So first question, let's, let's address the first part of it. Is it a crime that a second favourite's left out of a quaddie or is that quite acceptable? Uh, that's a tough question because sometimes it's just a matter of opinion and whether you think a horse is overrated in the market. But, I mean, I'm not a big quaddie taker. I prefer to take group quaddies because I probably go skinnier than wider in most cases and that probably is my downfall. But... I would think that unless you're going one out, if you're going wide in the leg with four or five horses, I think you've got to have at least the favourite and the second favourite in the market. And I think from experience, a lot of times I've taken a set against a a horse tight in the market and I've actually been wrong about that opinion. So sometimes, you know, the betting is a fair guide and I would at least if you're going wide I think you've got to at least have the favourite and the second favourite that's how I would play it because you don't want to get knocked out of the quaddy yeah. because, because it's the favourite winning well you know what I like having some more of the favourites in the first and the last yeah. leg because one you don't want to be knocked out in the first leg you're done you're toast you, you, the last three races are irrelevant to you and equally you don't want to be knocked out in the last leg because you've done all the hard work to get yeah. there and you just want to get yourself over the line. So I, yeah. I tend to be a little bit more attacking, I guess, in the second and third leg with a lot of my betting. But having said that, I don't think it's a crime to leave out the second favourite, depending on what kind of quaddy you've set up yeah. and, and how many and legs, you, how many horses you're putting in there. But, yeah, certainly, you know, you, you want to get value, and if you don't think the second favourite can win, then it's perfectly acceptable to leave it out. Yeah, I think, it, I mean, horses drift and tighten, so... So what was the second favourite might blow out and is the on the fifth line of betting. I, I had Cascadian as a winning chance in that race and I think that should have been put in. But I think as a rule, I think you've got to have the first favourite, second favourite, and then you can go as wide as you want I, from there. i tell you what would have been a crime, and this has happened to all of us, is if your mate who didn't put it in the quaddy then turned around and said that he backed it, which has happened to me before. I remember I had a, a quaddy going with a group of mates at Caulfield one day. Third legs potted along and uh, we missed it. And then one of the blokes who was in the quaddy just saddles up to us, $25 pop, and goes, I was on that, boys. Yeah. And you're thinking, mate, you, you just don't, if you're on it, you're just not telling us or you're giving us a cut yeah. or you're doing something because you don't go back to $25 pop and not just you know, put your hand up while the quaddy's being formulated to say put it in. So that's a crime, but not putting in it something that you haven't backed, I wouldn't say, is yeah, a crime. Oh, so That would happen to plenty of people. Oh, mate, it's, yeah. it's the worst. It's the worst thing you can say. If you do ever do that, do not tell Keep your mates. Silent. Do not tell your yeah, mates, or they mightn't be your mates for much longer anyway. <laughs> so I, yeah. I, don't mind taking the, I don't mind taking group quaddies because I find that you get a, a better range of thoughts and you, you become you go wider in your legs and sometimes it might hurt the percentages but we had the quaddy on All Star Mile Day. We had the, the big group of us and and if I was doing the quaddy that day I would have gone one out Admiral's Joker. But because we 
we had different thoughts and opinions. We added in Halibut Street, and then we also added in Gizo. Gizo. And we ended you, up can, you can thank me for that, that, mate. I don't think I've told you that, but I whacked in Gizo, so you're welcome. But <laughs> but you're right because because there are various opinions and people have you know followed horses in in different ways. We do get a bit of a variety of thought and as you say you can you can build a decent percentage because there's a lot of you and it's also a lot more fun winning with a group of other people yeah. rather than just sitting there on your own you know doing a high-fiving yourself so uh yeah definitely a fan of group qualities and we've been doing them quite regularly now in the punters club without much other sport to bet on at the moment so have been enjoying that we just need to win a couple that'll help yeah well so, the hard thing is with some of the legs um some legs you can go a little bit wider. I mean, we're putting a few restrictions on some of the legs, um, but that's just how we, we want to try and get a decent percentage. But it is, it can be, you know, tough to quaddies in these big race days. I mean, you can't have you can't have them all in. You can't have oh, mate, ten horses in a leg sometimes. Without rules, there'd be chaos. Half the guys would put yeah. in the would put in fields. So you have to you have to set some restrictions. So we might move on now to horses to follow out of the meeting. Um, I had Tefane, but you stole my thunder on that earlier, so I'll quickly skip past that. Also had Ruby Saki. I think that's pretty obvious, but it's really a horse I'll be following all the way, potentially even to the Doncaster next year, I think, uh, depending on which way it goes. Uh, Villa Saatchi uh, ran a couple eye-catching runs uh, recently in the country and then came out at about 20 to 1 yesterday and ran second at Caulfield, uh, does seem to find a bit of trouble with its racing pattern, but I think it's just about ready to win. And, and based on what I've seen, you're going to get some good odds. So Villa Saatchi's one that I'd definitely be following in Melbourne Metro or even in the country if you do see it. And, of course, uh, as we mentioned before, from my perspective, Malady Bell was another big effort. And I think, gee, she's due for another win. When she gets the right conditions and, you know, put in the race in the best way possible, she will be winning very soon. So I certainly won't be jumping off Melody Bell. So they're probably my four, Tefane, Villasachi, Ruby Saki and Melody Bell. Have you got anything for us, mate? Yeah, I've got a couple across the country. So we'll start off in Sydney at Randwick. And I think from the TJ, Santa and Elaine and Parada, they were both good runs. It's just whether which horse had the more merit behind their run. I'll have to work that out. But I think in the all-age, one of those two will be a good bet. In Melbourne, I thought Buffalo River was outstanding, winning race three with the first up and the big weight. Uh, that was that was the um, beating Villasachi horse you mentioned. And in Adelaide, I think there was a few horses that we can have a look at from Adelaide. I was on Ghana in the last in the second last race uh, race nine and i think that might be ready now shimino nearly was one of my should have backed it because i i watched that horse start before when it was unlucky and if it wasn't for ghana being in this field i might have gone with that horse so i think shimino can win again um but ghana third up next time uh looks like She's uh, he's ready, and I think also from Adelaide, uh, one horse in the Port Adelaide Guineas, the Moonlight Gambler, might be a horse that's um, on the right track for an SA Derby. 
Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned a few of the Adelaide races there, Big V, because it was actually a really good card, and I I hope people did get to take a look there. I think they had four listed races yesterday. We saw Dullisan and Sizzle Fry and a few other really good horses go over there and and, and win. So, yeah, yeah, I'm glad you you picked up on a couple of our uh, South Australian uh, horses in in amongst your horses to follow. Yeah, and um, something you don't see too much is um, fields of eight horses and more. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that, it was actually a, a pleasant surprise. I probably didn't follow it as closely as I could have because there was some value to be had there and some really high-quality races. So, yep, uh, that's a whole bunch of horses for people to follow. I'm, I'm sure in amongst those eight or nine, we'll find a winner somewhere along the line. <laughs> uh, in terms of our runs from the bush, the only horse I've got for us this week is a horse called Young Liam, which uh, was a three-and-a-half-length winner at Cranbourne on Friday night in the first race. It had had an irregular heartbeat in its previous start, so it was clearly a forgive. I think it finished eighth on that occasion. And in its first prep, it had a string of seconds. So, look, it's matured into what appears to be a really nice horse. And it started at a very backable price of $5.50. And to be honest, had them all off the bid at about the 400 Never looked like losing. Jumped and run. Uh, stayed out the front the whole way. So definitely one to keep an eye out in the country circuit. That's young Liam, who, uh, yeah, raced at Cranbourne uh, a couple of nights ago now. Uh, any any from you, Big V? I know you came out of nowhere, just uh, picked one up last week from us from the country. Anything mm. else caught your eye during the week? I know with your Sky 2 problems, you might not be able to catch as many country meetings no, as you'd like. But... No, not this week. I uh, No, I don't have a run from the bush this week. No worries, mate. Well, um, that's probably all we've got time for for this episode of the Should Have Backed It podcast. That was our second season, episode eight, looking back at the day one of the championships, but also with a cheeky eye on Caulfield and Morfittville. Look, we understand a lot of what we're discussing is relatively insignificant in the world at the moment in terms of what's going on. So do appreciate everyone listening. I hope you're enjoying the podcast, even though we've had to divert to Skype for the last few weeks. It'll be good good when we're able to do this uh, face-to-face again, Big V. Yes, it would be, and um, definitely won't chew up the the battery on the phone. But (laughs) it's, um, no, not too bad, just... Doing it from the the comfort of home in the in the lounge, so yes. can't complain. I'm actually, not not minding the the isolation too much. So oh. <laughs> I like sitting at home, just flicking on a few movies and. Yeah, well, just taking it easy. that might be okay for a, for a little a couple of days or a week or two, mate. It's if we're doing this for a little while longer, I suspect you might want to just go outside and smell the smell the roses smell at Flemington. But, uh, yeah, look, we'll continue to do it like this. And I think you're probably right. It's going to change how we do a lot of things in society now. You know, I had a poker night, virtual poker night on Friday night into our, our punters club virtual punting day. So, yeah, definitely taking advantage of some of those uh, applications that make yeah. staying connected well, easy. Well, we're going to find out. We don't need to actually go out and meet people anymore. <laughs> we can just do it from home and, and just have a, you know, quiz nights and gaming nights just from home. Mate, you'd be on house party, wouldn't you, every night? No, I haven't, haven't got onto that one yet. <laughs> have to check it out. All right, well, um, I hope everyone's doing well and staying safe and socially isolating. And uh, I do look forward to the day when we're not doing that anymore. But 
we will wrap that up for today's episode. Please continue to follow us on Twitter at the at should have backed it Twitter handle. Big V and I did pretty well on the uh, on the best bets yesterday. So if you do want to get a couple winners, make sure that you um you jump on that should have backed it Twitter handle. And yeah, if you do have any questions like our, our mate did around the uh, the quaddies, please don't hesitate to send them through. So. Good luck to everyone this week and we'll speak to you again next week after day two of the championships. And as always, good luck on the punt.